Welcome back to Light It Red. Um, we're back for the fall. We did two episodes in the spring, and we had some personnel turnover. Um, I'm Griffin Cunningham. I, I've i recently been promoted to Agromech Sports Editor. If you don't know, Agromech is our NC State official yearbook and oldest publication, so that's very exciting. Um, and I'm happy to be you know plugged into NC State Athletics. Um, with that, we Jenna has taken on the mantle of NC State or technician sports editor. Um, so she is pretty busy and has stepped down. However, we have replaced uh, Jenna with two uh, awesome guys here who I'm <laughs> going to introduce to you. Uh, we'll start with Stone. Stone, go ahead and introduce yourself. What's up? My name is Stone. Uh, very excited to be on this podcast as well. Congrats. I didn't know that about Jenna. I just found that out. She got promoted. That's very good for her, but I will gladly be able to step in with my friends here. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I'm a transfer student. This is my first year at NC State. I'm a junior from Wake Tech. Grew up in the Raleigh area, around near Raleigh. I lived in Morrisville for most of my life. It's kind of near Cary. It's very close to here. A big, just... Stuff in Carolina, big fans of that. Panthers, Hornets, as bad as both those teams are, but I'm very excited to get into all the NC State sports athletic stuff and be talking with my boys. Uh, hi, I'm Patrick. I'm a uh, freshman here at NC State. Uh, I thought you said Mooresville at first. Mooresville. Uh, yeah, Close. I'm, yeah, so I'm from <laughs> Mooresville, a little bit outside of Charlotte. Um, yeah, just really excited to be here. I'm a Packers and Hornets fan, so we share that same... Same struggle for a little bit of Charlotte Doo-doo. sports, but uh, yeah, really happy to be here. And also, congratulations on that promotion, Griffin. Thanks. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm from Maine, but I grew up in Fuquay, so we're all North Carolina boys, uh, NC State guys. So very excited to be here. Um, our format is going to stay mostly the same. Um, we're going to start today uh, by just going running down the. Uh, a news breakdown of what's been going on in NC State athletics amongst all of our fall sports. Um, and to start that off, I'm going to kick it to Patrick. And Patrick's going to talk about uh, a couple things here. So we'll start it off with the football. I'm going to keep it a little bit vague because we're going to dive into it a bit deeper later. But as you know, Saturday did not go the way we wanted to. Notre Dame coming in, beating us 45-24 to after the lengthy rain delay. But, you know, some, some bright spots, definitely some, some down spots there. But, you know, we'll have to see leading in the VMI game. Our, uh, our next sport up was women's soccer. Unfortunately, we went 0-2 last week, losing to uh, MSU 2-1 at home, and then Harvard away 2-0. Um, Joseph, number 15, with the lone goal versus MSU, putting her at season total up to 2. Uh, the girls will face High Point this upcoming Thursday in the first ACC matchup with Pitt at home this Sunday. Next, we've got some more stuff from other sports around the Wolfpack Nation. Men's soccer, the men's team bounced back after a two-game skid, got a 2 to nothing win versus Boston College, had goals by both Junior Nair and Luke Hill. Luke Hill also came in with an assist, so responsible for every goal. And he also leads the season total. For the team with three goals. Fun fact, he's also from Cary, North Carolina. So shout out to him in the same or similar area. 
We currently are playing Howard, the Howard Bison, as we're recording this right now. So hopefully we come out with a win there. And then on Saturday, we are at Virginia. Our last win versus Virginia, the Cavaliers, was in 2010, which is obviously a very long time ago. So hopefully we can turn it around there. And then we've got volleyball. Volleyball has been off to an awesome start, starting the season 7-1. and one. George Washington is next on the schedule Wednesday, which is tomorrow as we're recording this. Then NC State hopes to prove their record is completely valid with ACC play starting September 22nd, which is obviously conference play, which if you don't know is typically harder because you're playing you know higher schools than your other general just random schools that you play throughout the year. Uh, Ava Brazard has 128 kills so far, which is top 50 in the nation. So shout out to the girls volleyball team. Yeah, no, they're killing it. Um, yeah, and uh, rounding, rounding out that uh, weekly recap here, uh, we also have cross country going on right now, um, kind of in its infancy of the season here. Uh, we've only done the Elon opener uh, hosted by Elon. We had five runners participate in that. Um, the men ran a 6K. We had Wesley Larson and Zach Hughes finish 11th and 12th in that. Um, and then for the women, they ran a 4K. And we had uh, Caroline Mural, uh, she placed 15th. Olivia Haas placed 25th. And Sierra Collins placed 50th. So look out for them uh, this Friday at the Adidas Cross Country Challenge. Um, it is the only NC State hosted cross country event on the schedule. And it is at Wake Med. And then we're also in golf season. Um, golf also just started. Uh, there was a tournament hosted by Michigan State. Um, and we actually had a redshirt junior, uh, Nick Matthews, play second. He tied for second. Um, he fired a four under 67 in the first round to take the 18 hole lead on a 90 player field and followed up with a one under par 70 to stay in the first two rounds. Um, so shout out to Nick Matthews and Ava Brizard and Amanda Rice and, um, Lou Killey and, um, women's soccer there. Women's soccer. Actually, let's talk about women's soccer for a second because, um, high expectations usually for women's soccer. They haven't really gotten into um, in conference play, obviously, but the record is not looking too good. So um, for women's soccer fans, uh, I would say maybe temper your expectations a little bit. Um, usually they end up outperforming the men, but this year the men, um, they recruited well. They have young guys on the team, uh, Toya and they have one other striker on the team they brought in, Irving Cruz. Um, both freshmen, both guys that can go out and score goals. So um, very excited for the men's soccer team this year. Which at least one yeah. group is, yeah. you know, it's better to have one than nothing. Than nothing at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's okay. We play high point next. Hopefully we can come out there with a W. But yeah, ACC plays starting up soon, so... Um, at least maybe some highlights that we could get. At least some home games, I think. If you get some home wins, that'd probably be the best. Yeah. No, the, the high point one should be a bunt. All right, so moving on. So that was our 
our little recap there for what's going on around NC State athletics. Um, we're going to jump into this football game. Let's talk about this football game, guys. Um, if we have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Stone, if you want to take it away and just talk about your, your thoughts on this game. <laughs> well, uh, obviously, if you didn't, Pay attention, and you lived under a rock at the NC State campus. Notre Dame came in as a top 10 team, which people may forget they are a top 10 team. This is not a bad program or anything. A top 10 team in the country came in, defeats NC State at our home opener, 45-24. to 24. Uh, Some We're going to dive into more news about that. All of us kind of have our opinions of the game, maybe some outlooks that we have. One thing that definitely should be brought up is our starting safety Senior Jakeen Harris is unfortunately out for the year with a torn peck. He got in the UConn game, which was our first game of the year, which we came away with a dub with. Uh, Sean Brown is a redshirt sophomore. He's going to start off as the replacement for him, as well as Bishop Fitzgerald, who is a JUCO from Virginia. He is going to split time with him and get uh, some snaps at safety. Both of them were solid uh, in the game here, as you know, hard as it's take away a positive from, from this Notre Dame game, but that's... Uh, unfortunately, a bad starting injury um, for the season, but I believe these two guys behind them will probably make up for it. Now, we had some issues with the game, obviously. I think all three of us went. Uh believe all three of us went. And if you were just like us, you had to experience this major rain delay. Uh, I at least... Mine was not as bad experience-wise as other people, so I don't know what these guys were, but I, I went with my roommate, and his parents like got tickets to the game and had a parking spot like right next to the entry where we were, so I just got in the car and stayed in there and didn't get wet at all. So I got very lucky, and then I stayed to go back and watch, obviously, the poor second half, but did anyone else have a poor experience? So mine was definitely not as I would say graceful <laughs> as yours was. So we we Ubered to and from the game, me and my group that we went with. So we kind of were stranded. There wasn't really much to go to. We did luckily, although it was a Notre Dame family that was in the parking lot, there was a little bit of a tent. I was able to find some uh, shelter in, but that was after running a good, I'd say like 500 feet uh, to that tent. And it was it was not pleasant. And then the lightning that was striking was pretty close to where we were. There was a tree near us that got struck, um, but definitely not the best way for that to go. I was really the, I think the major disappointment was that we kind of waited it out, and then when we finally had for that Uber, crap to happen, and then yeah. after the second half. yeah, and then it was but then it was also I for my like we called the Uber, and then as soon as we called the Uber, they sent out the text saying the game was going to resume in like ten minutes. And, then it was, and the weather, honestly, after that wasn't even that bad. So it was kind of, I don't know. But, yeah, and then came home, sat down, turned it on, and did not get much better at all. But Yeah, um, I was dry. I had I got to sit in the press box for that one. Wow, um, okay, buddy. So that, um, but my, I mean, my game day experience was not the best. Um, waking up early while it's still dark and rainy out is never fun. Um, I had to sit in traffic to get there just like everybody else and then walk to the stadium. Um, I got there about an hour before kickoff. Um, obviously did not get to partake in any of the tailgate festivities. Um, but we were, I mean, we were up in that press box, man, just like hanging out, eating food. Um, 
saw the scoreboard go out. Um, <laughs> saw it that was reboot. Bad. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I was on social media and obviously I was you know, checking all the stuff from around NCAA on Saturday. And the only newsworthy thing that went viral from here was NC State's uh, first game that they paid $15 million for their stadium is already broken from yeah. a lightning <laughs> strike. It was fine, all right, if you weren't there. After that, it was totally fine. Just happened to take a little nick, but it's all good. But that was the only thing everyone talked about uh, in the worldwide news right. media for that. That's I remember, yeah, I opened up TikTok, and the first thing I saw was Bleacher Report posting about that. And it was <laughs> like, I mean, can we get any other coverage? Skin <laughs> <laughs> clown. <laughs> Just the lightning strike, but. but whatever. Well, yeah, that's, crazy day. that's what that was. But Griffin, tell us um, some of the major takeaways, at least if you have any. Yeah, um, well. It started out pretty even, like, I mean, the defenses were holding up. Um, Devin Van was playing really well. I, he made a, some major defensive plays early in the game. Um, and then at a certain point, I think, um, what's uh, the quarterback's name is slipping my mind right now? Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman. He started, you know, they were d- running design plays for Hartman to get the ball out to the flat. Or, you know, just get it out quick, not letting the NC State defense kind of swarm him. And once they got that going, I you know, I felt like that was the beginning of the end, even though it really wasn't. Like, NC State made some solid plays on offense, but the the defense just had to work so hard to keep them in that game until it couldn't anymore. Like, until it was just too much, and Armstrong came out and started, you know, throwing picks and ball bouncing off a receiver's hands and uh, really became, it was a really winnable game that just just became, it felt like too much. Like they were overwhelmed. And yeah, after that weather delay, the Notre Dame just came out and just busted a 80-yard run. And so I don't know how it was for the fans, but us in the press box, we're just like, what the hell? Like what, like, what is going yeah. on? Like that's unheard of, like, it felt like no one was ready for it. It was like a trick play almost. It, it happened like, weird. I mean, I get back. I'm like, all right, go sit in my seat. My friend's like, okay, I'm going to go. Because uh, his parents also had press box seats. And he was like, hey, I'm going to go say something, get some from them. They're like, okay. Right when he goes up there, they just break off that touchdown. I'm like, okay. Well, that's it's so bizarre. Right. It was just the weirdest football moment ever. Just the, just the overall vibe switch, because I was sitting right behind the end zone, and like how you were saying, it's it started off so well. Like, the I mean, the energy, everything was just so, I mean, just perfect. And I think how you were saying, when Sam started getting the throws in the flat, it was just he never looked flustered after that. And I think it's also part of the fact, I think people forget that he is a Wake Forest transfer. So even though, I mean, last year we we beat them and Sam didn't have the best performance, I think he's still, although it's a new offensive system, he's still getting a look. He has, maybe I'm incorrect about this, but I'm pretty sure he has a good amount of records at Wake Forest. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's, he's a, he's I mean, very good. I would say, honestly, if he wasn't, I, I don't think he's going to be a top pick in the draft, but I feel like if he wasn't, if the NFL draft this year wasn't so loaded, that he probably could have come out and gone in a decently high round. Yeah, but. you know, if you're going to the draft, you're like, hyped up all the time, have physical traits, very young. Obviously, he's not any of those, but you never know. There's always guys like Brock Purdy who's playing for the 49ers right now who was off all-year, four-year starter, 
comes in, he's not the biggest guy, and gets picked literally the last pick in the draft, and then you have no idea what's going to happen. So. I mean, Stetson Bennett just got drafted, and yeah. he's like, I mean, 27 with his own car insurance at this point. <laughs> I mean, he's been, I mean, well, I saw the headline Sony Michelle got drafted and retired before uh, Stetson Bennett was able to leave college. So and they played they, together. They've definitely got some of those older guys get, still getting drafted. But yeah, no, he definitely has a chance to play in the pros. He looked he looked all right. Um, Armstrong, maybe not so much. All right, uh, yeah. Now you got definitely all right. You are not as high, especially on his performance, right? Which makes sense, right? Ar- Armstrong. Armstrong, yes, yeah, Brandon Armstrong. I, Am I would you say that? I just have always had a hard time getting behind lefty quarterbacks. That's just me. Not a big right. two. Well, this fits. <laughs> this know. fits because um, as a lefty myself, I'm going to represent the group, and <laughs> I'm not lying. I am a lefty, uh, and my main script and takeaway. I didn't want to just bring up absolutely everything, even though I literally typed it out on here and I got carried away and <laughs> had a ton of stuff, but. My major takeaway right now is the quarterback situation because after the game, I looked at a lot of stuff and I saw everyone, at least in the comments, saying, why throw out MJ Morris. MJ Morris needs to go out there. He is our backup quarterback, very young guy, seems to have some sort of potential. Um, was in Played a little bit last year when we had injuries, and I think he had seven touchdowns to one pick. It's just his completion percentage was like 55, so we maybe got a little lucky. Um, but was Armstrong perfect? No, he was not. But I don't think he got enough help to where I feel it's warranted to just throw a backup quarterback out there. Uh, the run game was non-existent. I think we had 2.8 yards per carry as a team. Notre Dame had double our total rushing yards. They had like 160, 170. We had 80 total. And I believe Armstrong was like second on the team in rushing anyways because he runs in general because sometimes he's not getting protected. State also still needs to figure out who their real starting receivers are. You brought it up earlier, Griffin, about the drops. It was every, it was like a virus. Like, it went everywhere. Uh, Juice Vereen looks to be doing well as a starting tight end. He had four receptions for 65 yards, but it's more so just a mix of finding guys at this pure receiver positions. Uh, we talked about it earlier. We I like Bradley Rosner. I know we also like him. He is a slot receiver. He's a transfer from Rice, eighth year playing, so he's got a little experience, but... He had a very nice touchdown catch, but he's a slot guy. So who are you going to have on the outside? We still need to figure that out. Keon Lassane is a good gadget player, but he's not someone that should be running pure routes and catching just these hard passes. Porter Rooks was solid in limited time, didn't get a lot of it. Julian Gray was okay, didn't do much. Kevin Conception is one of my favorite ones. Um, I mean, maybe it's pronounced Conception. I remember hearing this stuff. Casey Concepcion. And I like him. He's a young freshman receiver with upside, and he got a ton of targets, mm-hmm. but he had the worst drop in the game, which led to a pick, which goes to my point of Armstrong, is I think he had drops left and right. He was tied second in the nation for drop passes as of right now, currently. Tied second for drop pa- passes by his receivers. He's top 10 in pressures in terms of him being pressured most a certain amount of times, top 10, so he's getting pressured a ton, and out of the people in those top 10, he has by far the lowest sack rate out of anyone, which if you don't know what that means is he's getting pressured just as much as anyone else in the country, but he's avoiding sacks by running out of the pocket because he's forced to. So it's not necessarily that he's 
picking to do that. I think he's kind of just getting forced to, which you could see in the UConn game if you watched. He had a ton of rushing yards because it was just open. He's not forcing the ball down the field. We were winning the game, so he could run. In this case, we weren't leading the game ever, so he's got to throw the ball. He can't just run it the whole time. Um, And the O-line is not perfect, but they're also going to need to step up a little bit and do their their own part. Um, Anthony Belton is the starting left tackle, is a guy I saw who did pretty solid. Uh, but other than that, it wasn't great. And I obviously, I don't want to freak out and blame them just because they've lost two NFL guys, both on the Panthers, ironically. Um, but at least for the quarterback situation, that's kind of my, my takeaway um, with him. I have stuff about the defense as well, but if you have anything else about the quarterback, I'm, you can go I'm definitely it. the same boat with you because I think the like you were saying with the um, just avoiding sacks and everything, even with the bad offensive line, I think it's almost showing one of Brendan Armstrong's strengths. He has, I mean, elite pocket presence. He's able to move around. He's able to scramble, and I feel like that's something I, I don't want to, you know, pull a plug on him too soon because you're you're looking at a guy that has a very good running ability and good presence in the pocket. I I saw the same thing. The um, calling for MJ Morris. MJ Morris is good. I think how you were saying his potential. I, I completely agree. I just feel like you don't go out and get a big name transfer like Brendan Armstrong just to pull the plug and that early. bring his offensive coordinator yeah, with him. You, you, he, you they played you together. Yeah. I mean, you can't do all of that. And the thing is, is we're all we're also talking about Notre Dame. This isn't like how you were saying. This isn't. This yeah, isn't a Notre Dame. I, yeah. people. We're I think people Notre forget. Dame. This yeah. is a storied historic program that Absolutely. got an amazing transfer. They're a top 10 team. Yeah. They're going to be contending for the college football playoff. And I had it on my last notes, but just bring it up here. With that, we had the ball in the red zone in the third end of the third quarter with two minutes left after we got a fumble recovery and we're only down by seven points and we got nothing. Yeah, and it's just it's, like it's, it's right. We had it. It was right there. Yeah, that was on the on the kicker a little bit. Yes, to- everyone. I mean, totally. Not, I'm not, I even armed. I wouldn't say like Armstrong is a net of no blame. A hundred percent. That one. Th- but even the play calling as well on that drive. Like I don't know how you can't get any points. Obviously, the kicker needs to make a kick. Yeah. But well, yeah, you want to bring in a it's a transfer kicker too and. Can't kick a thirty-yard field goal. Then what are we doing? You know? Then uh, he's actually he's a he's the Western Kentucky transfer. It's interesting. The um, high school I went to, community school Davidson, the uh, starting kicker now is actually at Western. Really? Kentucky. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh, that's I think cool. that's I think that's why I was watching. They're like Western Kentucky, and I was like, oh, that's why he transferred because now the the kicker that went to my high school is the starter. But I I think the I completely just with Brendan Armstrong, but the the, the part with the no blame. The I think my one part that I would just say that's the issue is that his accuracy. Was a little bit iffy. I would say one of his interceptions d- did come off a um, drop pass, but there were some accuracy issues. Um, I know the commentators were noting on that a lot, but he did have some passes where it was just way off the mark. Um, we we saw in the UConn game that he's able to make these tight throws, and there was one down the sideline that he had as well. Um, that he the accuracy is there. You could make the argument, or really even look at it as he's. A, in a new environment. I mean, he's gonna he's a transfer, he's at a new school. It's nerves. I mean, granted he's a senior, but he's completely changing the environment that he's playing in. But you kind of just ha- I th- I think you need to give him time. I think there's time needs to be given before you completely completely throw him underneath the bus. Yeah. I guess we're just speaking cuz we've been seen through stuff. But this is, I I clearly wasn't alone in seeing all the yeah. talk about him potentially being replaced. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's just he was transferred from Virginia last year wasn't great, but they had 
lit, he had literally no one to throw to. I think his best receiver was someone who was a quarterback the year before yeah. while at Virginia. But in 2021, he graded as like a top five quarterback right there with all these other NFL prospects. So I, I think he still has it. He just and he also had it. Coach Anai that season, and Anai left uh, last year. So this is the first year they've been reunited. Um, yeah, I think keys to success going forward. I'd throw Dakari Collins out there, man. He kind of touched it at the end of that game. Big guy from Clemson. Throw him out there. Throw out Casey Concepcion. You know? <laughs> throw out Hopefully Juice, we're saying that right. Throw out <laughs> Ju- Juice Marine. Throw these young guys out. Let's, you know, let's Michael Allen. Get him some touches. Use Jordan Houston as a hybrid back like he's supposed to be, like a like a Christian McCaffrey. You know, like that's how they used him last season. Use him like that again. Yeah, I didn't see much. Did you get? I didn't see much receiving from. But it was kind of like, but it was almost predictable. It was like, all right, first down, uh, you're going to run the ball, get two yards because our O-line just cannot match up to their D-line. Then the next down we're going to throw it because we know we have to throw it, and then we're down already, and you got to throw it more and then more, and then they know what you're going to do. I agree he definitely had uh, some accuracy issues, Mm -hmm. um, which is, I mean, he had three picks, so one of them may have been off the dropped hands, which is, a big deal, but the other two were actual picks. Um, one of them was definitely down the field; it was bad. But like I said, I, 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 just in terms of the other fans' perspective, I think they just need to calm down a little bit. But um, as we talked about earlier, I think one place that we can look highly on is the defense, which is weird because a casual fan's gonna look at this game and say, "Are you kidding me? Forty-five points? Why are you happy about the defense?" Well, it's not necessarily like. You know, oh my gosh, the defense held them to this amount of points. It's more so just looking at it inside, you know, this one view because I view it as the defense can't do it all. And yes, they had major issues versus the run, which in turn caused two gigantic touchdown plays and play actions, uh, something that Griffin brought up earlier. It was the same guy twice. Holden stays, number 13, 115 yards, two touchdowns. Both of them were just, I mean, the throw could have been, I think, 10 air yards, and he ran the rest because they got us on play action because we kept trying to stop the run because we just kept getting beat on it, uh, which I don't blame them because they have a future first-round pick in Joe Alt. He's a tackle. You'll know his name in the NFL. Uh, but that's kind of hard when you're trying to stop the run and he just does a simple draw play up the middle and they get 10 yards. It's hard to stop, but... Um, but I agree with a few stuff, especially with players. I think we have some high upside guys. I like the linebacker duo, Peyton Wilson and uh, Caden Forham, who's number 10. If you had seen him, he came off the bench, and he played the most snaps of anyone off the bench. He was very good. Uh, and then I liked Robert Kennedy at corner. He was slot corner, hybrid, safety-ish. He was good. And then uh, we, we want to do this like player of the game thing. If we're doing based off voting, I don't know if you, uh, you had a player of the game, Patrick, but I definitely agree with Griffin. Uh, junior Edge, David uh, Davin Van, he was awesome. He had at least uh, stats-wise two sacks, two forced fumbles, or two sacks, two tackles for loss, and one forced fumble, which obviously led to that you know chance to take the lead. Great job by him. Um, there were also coaching issues that I kind of like, not a ton, but... Uh, Something that stuck out to me was the last minute of the first half. We had the ball and three timeouts and a chance to put points on the board. And we had this one, I think, just play over the middle. And he caught it. And the time ran from like 40 seconds to 20. And we didn't call a timeout until 20. 
and then it's too late and we don't get any points. And that was very questionable by the coaching staff there. Um, not sure why we did I feel like, that. I feel like clock management's an issue that's plagued the Dave Dorn era, but we'll have to have to look at that. But I think for – I'm going to change it up a little bit. For my player of the game, I was looking at Peyton Wilson. I mean, you're looking at 14 tackles. Uh, four, four of those were solo, definitely. And then you're also looking at uh, .5 to tackle for loss. Um, he was just all over the field. I feel like there was a lot of times there was busted plays, and I think at at when you're starting to go down um, – it's starting to go down big. A lot of those times, you're going to see defensive players just absolutely give up. Peyton Wilson was did not matter the situation. I mean, if it was a chase down tackle, regardless, cross cross field, he was there. And I think, I mean, he didn't have any sacks, nothing like that. No major, no major plays. But I think he was the energy guy that definitely kept the team together. Um, and how you were saying, like how the defense can't do everything, I completely agree. I mean, the defense was set up the momentum at the beginning of the game. I mean, pre weather delay, if I mean, they were roaring. I don't think I've seen defensive energy like that, especially against a top 10 team for us in a while. Um, and there's really only so much you can do. I mean, it gets to a point where if you set up so many stops, the offense eventually has to respond. And if the offense stalls, which sometimes we tend to do, there's really not much the defense can do because you can you can only keep the defense off the field for so long. And if it, when it gets to a point that they're having to keep come, come right back on, you can't really expect much. And it's unfortunate. Because you you'd want to expect that the offense is, is gonna kind of step in, but the the defense I think like how you were saying you're gonna look at the 45 points and say eh, that's that's not it's not good. I think that you have to kind of look at the circumstance of what they were dealing with, and they they started the game hot, and I think it kind of got to the point where it's just like you can't have you can't stay on the field that long. Yeah, kind of the bottom line. I agree. I think takeaway is just I'm not upset with the defense and. I'm optimistic with the offense, but obviously I think they need to figure out who's going to be starting at receiver. As Griffin said, throw out any – I mean, you have a ton of guys back there. Transfer from Clemson, who's freshmen, from eighth-year guys from Rice. I mean, throw any person out there, see who's going to you know, step up and take over. Yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying. I think, uh, yeah, Devin Van uh, played the best defensive game uh, getting to the quarterback, and Peyton Wilson – he, he had a chase down tackle, man. He ran like probably 30 yards to go get that. Guy. It reminded me of that. Uh, remember the, the car? I think it was the Cardinal Seahawks game when uh, DK Metcalf. Yeah, the DK Metcalf. DK tackle. ran like that, faster that, than I, any yeah. human to when, go when get it. He tackled Buda <laughs> Baker to stop the pick six. That is exactly what I was thinking of. I mean, it's just that is the type of energy and guy that you want, especially, especially in those type of games where things are going wrong. Because if you don't have a guy that steps into those type of games, and provides energy when there's when those losses are like that, you're gonna lose the locker room. And I think yeah. Kate Wilson, guys like that, will prevent that from happening. That's cool to see him kind of grow into this leadership role. Um, at the in his post game press conference, he mentioned he said, "If you look at the film, uh, you won't see eleven guys doing their job." So he's kind of calling out his new guys on defense, not trying to blame the offense, but like being a leader and. I got to meet him at the ACC kickoff and talk to him and just talk about how he's stepping into that role. And I think uh, it's a good example of, of what's to come with him and the rest of the defense. So That's awesome. That, that yeah. He definitely seems like he's taken over the leadership role of the he's a captain. team just looking at everything. like He fits that mold yeah. perfectly. But luckily for us, I think we're going to go obviously into these deep dives later throughout the season, but the schedule is going to get easier. Uh, we don't play ranked opponents until later. We've got to get the offense together, and it's possible to do that. Our next 
ranked opponent is Duke, and that's in five weeks. So just get time beating up the Louisvilles, hopefully, and the Virginias Marshall. and Marsh. Yeah, so no disrespect to those programs, but ideally just from an analytical standpoint, we should be able to beat them, and I think people feel a bit better about this team going into our ranked I think are there any if there are there any teams on those uh, upcoming schedule that you guys think could get us? I, I'm I'm feeling I have a sneaky feeling about Marshall. I don't I don't know about y'all. Probably Louisville. Louisville would be the only one, um, but even then I'm not sure they've done anything. So I'm just gonna go into it thinking they've gotten uh, a couple of votes for top twenty five. I guess a little bit. Pretty good. I haven't studied their team at all, but I just know I've heard some buzz. I mean, obviously, if we won this game, we would be in the top twenty five because we were ranked around thirties uh, ish, like thirty five. Ish, but I think it's not like you can't get ranked down the line when you have one loss to a top 10 team at the time. And I so. think we also benefit from the fact that we also have a lot of opportunities on our schedule. I feel like in years past, we'll have one loss that kind of just plagues us, and then we, we don't get into legitimate top 25 consideration for the rest of the year. I mean, like you said, we have Duke. Um, it kind of is, in some ways, a little bit unfortunate that Clemson is – bad as they are now because Clemson's always been a game that we can use and boost us up in the rankings if we were able to win that. Um, now Clemson's unranked, but we also have Miami and Chapel Hill. So I think the opportunities to be ranked and definitely move up will still be there. I don't think that this will do too much because I think the fact that, like you said, they're top 10 doesn't really hurt us. Yeah, we'll be good. Uh, and I hope we are because if we are ranked by that UNC game, that'll be an amazing home game to play them if we have ACC title, you know, hopes on the line. Absolutely. But next week is VMI. We'll have an episode out for then. So hopefully we can come away with a dub. I didn't get a ticket. Neither did I. So uh, <laughs> Shout out to Mark if you're listening. Thanks for the ticket. I'm going to meet Mark. Look for some <laughs> Go meet some Mark. All right. Uh, well, I think that's that's a good stopping point for us. Um, thanks for listening. If you listened last spring and you're back, um, hopefully we're attracting some new listeners. We have um, we have a great personnel going on here, and and we will be back uh, next week to uh, preview or talk about VMI and preview the next game. Um, thank you for listening to Light It Red. Music in this podcast was Jonas Hipper's King of Sports and Vibe and Sneaky, licensed under Creative Commons from the Free Music Archive.